When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Leafs Talk Forever, uh, episode seven of season two. It's uh, it's Thursday night after the Leafs game, so guess who's not with us? Any guesses, Scott? Uh, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. Kyle not on for another episode, so his betting segment's out. Um, he's the betting guy, and... Uh, yeah, just because it's after the, uh, the the Thursday night Leafs game against Washington, we're just going to be banging on a quick pod here, recapping the last two games, maybe some surprising roster moves, if any. I don't think there's really any su- overly surprising ones that we already didn't anticipate, maybe for Kyle because he thought Wayne Simmons was going to make the team. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, uh, without further ado, we're going to send it right to the ad, ad read right now. So then uh, it's on the way taken care of you guys can get it early if truthfully if that's maybe the only reason why you listen to the pod that's i mean that's not really cool but uh, if that's the only reason then so be it so we'll get with that and then uh we'll get going right into the october 12th versus montreal which was last night so write down this promo code win some money currently on DraftKings. I'm looking at a bet that pays me 700 bucks. There's only one thing that's wrong with that, and that is the football game because it's the lowest scoring football game I think I've ever seen in my life. Anyways, write down this um, this promo code and make some money. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. One team I'm going to place a bet on is the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup at plus 700. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger pounds with same game parlays. Combine multi-bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot to win even bigger pounds. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use promo code THPN at $5 on any team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. Yeah, so uh, THPN is the DraftKings promo code. Uh, Get it cooking there. Um, I'm going to tell you guys a little story here. Last week. Just, well, just last, real quick. Isn't it, yeah. isn't it hashtag THPN? I don't believe it's actually hashtag 
uh, THPN. I believe that's the hashtag that we use on social media, but when I put it in, it took THPN. Okay. Um, so I will fi- figure that out by the next week and we'll get it correct because I know in our overlay it says hashtag. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get that sorted out for everyone. Um, yeah, so last weekend, obviously, we're not going to go into much details, super detail about it, which kind of sucks because it was kind of Kyle's idea, but Obviously, the Jays had, um, how would you describe it? A Trauma Belief esque performance in game two of the wild card, and they got booted. Uh, the correlation I had going here was DraftKings. I bet some money to try and make some money, and uh, pretty much every bet I placed was wrong. Like George Springer getting a couple home runs, wrong. Buddy had what, zero hits? Alc Manoa going plus seven. I think that was recommended by Kyle. Wrong. So, yeah, um, it was a brutal performance. I don't know what your thoughts on it, Scott, but, uh, I mean, kind of stung me for about, what, three minutes, and we're like, yeah, we're Leafs fans. We know all about losing like that. Yeah, pretty much. I think uh, the only difference is with the Jays, we kind of built – we kind of – not built into the hype. We, uh, we're listening to the hype a bit too much, whereas with the Leafs, we kind of just ignore that and just – go into it with our own opinions, but with the Jays, we kind of the the games leading it up to it by the end of the season and then the days leading up to the wildcard game, we were kind of all over the hype of how they were going to sweep and and dominate and Manoa was going to pitch so great in the, the first game and then Gosman the second game and then we kind of let ourselves point. fly into it. And don't forget George Springer, the um, oh yeah, yeah. what they call him, the seventh, statistically the seventh best player performer ever. It yeah. only ended up with was a concussion. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comparison that most people may yeah. not agree with. Some people <clears> may <throat> compare um, uh, agree with this one in particular, but the one that um, it might hurt a couple of people's feelings. But George Springer and Jake Muzzin, exactly the same people. I used to think George Springer is more like John Tavares, come here, the veteran, try and take over the leadership of the young guys. No, Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin got injured two days in a training camp. George Springer got injured walking to the game one wild card. Like I just I I, I don't know. I know Toronto's not going to get rid of him, but it's like at some point, do you really want a guy that you like? How many games has he played for Toronto in the last three years? Probably I'd say probably less than two thirds. He's been injured a, a ton, and that that's a uh, problematic to me. That's very. Excuse me, very pro- problematic. Of, um, like, I don't even know if they pay him twenty million dollars, twenty plus million dollars a year, and he's uh, on the IR, practicing with the team more than he's playing. It's kind of pathetic. Good for fantasy though, but kind of pathetic. Um, transitioning to the Leafs now, um, Justin Hall, Jake Muzzin, game one. Uh well I don't know how you how you'd uh, phrase this one Scott but this was just a brutal 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 attempt of a clear yeah well first I want to say I was I'm a little disappointed that you didn't even do a season opening hype you oh yeah completely valid, glossed valid. over completely yeah. glossed over that that the season has started yeah I I I I apologize for that I just feel so ready for it I think I just I feel like everyone else is ready for it so. But yeah, good on you, Scott. This is game two, season opener. 
What was the question? The Justin Hall. Oh, the Jake Muzzin. Yeah, the Jake yeah, well, Muzzin. We, player. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't even know how, how to describe that. It was, I guess, weak. He had three clear options on the right side uh, that he could have just shoveled it off to for them to skate out of his own. He could even just ice the puck. There was only 17 seconds left. Won the face off, kept control, tried to get it out then, but nope. He uh, lightly tossed it to the Montreal Canadian player on the left side, who was just standing there waiting for it. And then, yeah, cost him the game. Yeah, just um, absolutely brutal. The whole play is brutal. The attempted clear, the Jake uh, Justin Hall screen on memory. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why we've we've seen this pairing what three years now, and I have no yeah, idea why they're still together. But I guess like what else are you gonna do? Put Justin Hall with Morgan Riley, or just sit him in the press box? Well, that's who he was playing. Well, true, but that's who he was playing with last night a little bit. He was he was taking shifts with Morgan Riley, which I mean, I guess at this point you can't really sit him in the press box because they don't have any cap space. But yeah. Oh, and also just for those who who've read the articles that we put out. Uh, I was I was fiercely writing three articles, pitch, uh, pumped out three articles on Sunday of uh, Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, to try and get on to keep everyone updated on the waivers and stuff. Wayne Simmons is going to probably need to be traded before they bring back Lilligren. It's either Wayne Simmons or it's going to be one of the defense. I'm going to assume it's probably going to be, if any of them, Justin Hall, because like I don't see him getting rid of Geo, Sandine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they have 50 cap. Or sorry, fifty contracts and a couple exempt because they're junior players like Fraser Min who signed today. Uh, but yeah, in order to activate either Jordy Ben or or Lilligren, whoever comes back first, or both, they're going to have to clear roster spots. So look well, for luckily, potentially the use of waivers if Malgan gets claimed and uh, Simmons. Luckily, after that opening game, you have two readily available. To uh, to toss up and and dump with Muzzin and Hall because, like you said, that was pathetic. And, yeah. And, um, I don't know. I've, I've I've heard I've heard differing. Like I thought there was moments in the games from the stuff I watched, the clips I watched, where Toronto had control. Toronto wasn't playing bad. Obviously, not the whole game. There was a lot of moments you could point to that were weak, not just from Justin Hall, Jake Muzzin, but from a lot of the defense, some of the forwards, whatever. But I've heard people say, like, Montreal controlled all the play, Montreal clown Toronto, Toronto should be embarrassed, yada, yada, yada. But, like, it's not, it shouldn't be all negatives. Like, there was moments in the game Toronto did play well. The fact that Montreal scored with, what, two and a half minutes left, and then Toronto came down the ice in those two and a half minutes and scored again to tie the game before that yeah. last last second boot goal. But like, and yeah. The fact of the matter is, Montreal was faster on the rush. Like, Analytically speaking, if you look at the at the breakdown, Montreal was way faster on the rush. They created more turnovers against Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin for the most part of the night, who are probably, besides Giordano, maybe the slowest defense that Toronto has. So, like, as going with your point, it, it's hard to control the game when you have plugs that are just turning over the puck and then can't get back in time. Yeah. I mean, you saw that in tonight's game, too, though. It wasn't a... Yeah. Obviously, a, a better result because they won, but there were still a lot of mistakes and turnovers and and misplays that they need to correct going into the game, upcoming games and the rest of the season. 
And I also heard that um, the fourth line was they were on for one shot for and like eight shots against. They got out hit. Uh, L4 checked uh, the game, uh, first game, but I don't know what the, the statistics look like. I haven't obviously the game. They're probably still processing everything. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, it looked to me like they were heavy on the four check, a little bit heavier, throwing their weight around a little bit more. Um, they mm-hmm. got trapped in their defensive zone. Yeah, uh, trapped in their defensive zone a little bit when uh, Abel, Abel, Kubel, whatever his name is, uh, okay, I'll learn eventually. Yeah, I'll learn eventually. Uh, got that one hand slash. But, like, in the contrast of the two games, I think that Toronto was relatively better um, in this first, or sorry, second game, especially in that first period. Um, I'm just going to read off who scored. Michael Bunton got the scoring started for the regular season with one, Nylander and Malgan with the goals. Malgan obviously has earned a spot. Don't rule on Robertson and don't rule on uh, Malgan potentially going down. Uh, Tavares had a notable night with two goals, and Matt Murray went nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, sorry, two points. Sorry, uh, nineteen for twenty-three with an eight twenty-six save percentage, which uh, is is awful. However, I don't think that he played necessarily that bad. There was some clips. A couple people, I'm not going to name names, were doing some some breakdowns of his stuff, which they had heard from other people because I also heard it from other people. Listened to things that they were on, and it's the wide stance that he has that we talked about last week with James. Where he's lower, oh. which is what? I know it is. Sorry. Oh. Anyway, um, the wide stance that he had at some points, he was coming out too far. Which the wide stance on the on the East West game, um, the wide stance is better for Northwest because you can come back in your in your stance better because all you need to do is open up your skates will push you back, uh, resurface, resquare up, whatever. However, in the in the East West game that that most most teams play these days. Uh, the wide stance makes it harder because then he's got to basically uh, kind of reset, slide all the way over, and that's where some of the goals came. I believe Cole Caulfield and Suzuki had a couple chances like that where they caught Matt Murray uh, struggling east-west, which is funny because that's all they preached that he fixed in the offseason was he worked on his east-west game. He's got a little bit lower stance. However, he's – I mean, it's funny because I, I, I heard Steve Alquette say that a lower stance sometimes is, is good for a, a bigger goalie but it seems like Matt Murray isn't as agile. So I think that the wider stance might be a little bit uh, less effective in some aspects, especially when he's coming out. Like the one clip I saw, he was way on past his paint and then coming mm-hmm. back, transitioning all the way back to the post and across is kind of difficult to do. Um, But I, I didn't notice that in tonight with Sandine or Sandine, sorry, uh, um, Samsonov or Samsonov. I noticed that he was more, well, I mean, like I, I pointed out to you, it's not as uh, this is no like hockey knowledge, hockey anything. It was just obvious that he was expecting them the uh, the Ovechkin one time or like nine times out of ten because half the time he was already slid across by the time, like sliding to Ovechkin by the time the shot had reached a stick, right? Like or yeah. come off a stick, which is different from most goalies because most goalies who haven't, I mean, some goalies have seen it, but Samsonov has seen it what like the last five years and practice yeah. and games. So it's like he obviously has some kind of book on him. Which was nice to see that Ovechkin at least didn't score on him. Yeah, but yeah, I think um, you need to be a nine ten, a nine oh five goalie. Well, to help Toronto. True. Just to touch back on the Matt Murray thing, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like obviously everybody's pointing out the statistics and the eight. What was it? Eight twenty six save percentage or whatever. But yeah, like 
were a couple of goals were odd man rushes. Like I, I Toronto gave up a lot of odd man rushes that game. Like the defense wasn't that great. The forwards didn't seem to really want to try to get back. So like those numbers may have been a little inflated based on the fact that those like the, the defense didn't really show up, right? Yeah, I, I really mean they blame everything on like I've seen people on Twitter just ripping Matt Murray saying like he he sucks yada yada yada. Well, we saw completely that completely ignoring the that. Well, yeah, like, completely. Uh, Samson off wins. Is he going with the net? Like that's been one game. Well, yeah, but they completely ignoring the fact that the other players on the ice were just as bad. Yeah, on those particular plays to to have those if the defense would have played up to the standard of what everybody expects them to play at, then those chances probably wouldn't have happened. Matt Murray wouldn't have yeah. been in those situations and his save percentage wouldn't have been different, right? Well, it's funny because two goals, necessarily... one was a turnover from the defensive pairing, which you just had mentioned. And then the other one, I don't think he could have blamed. I think how many goalies in the league could have stopped that last shot by Anderson? Like top shelf with a screen. He didn't even react to it. Oh. I mean, yeah, but that's, I mean, apparently that's his weakness though, his glove side. If he, his glove hand isn't fast enough to, apparently, I mean, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but from what I heard, other people who are more notorious in the hockey community say is that his, his glove side is, is a known weakness because it's not, he doesn't move it fast enough to try to get to the puck. So, I mean, there may be yeah. goalies in the league who could save it, just not particularly in Matt Murray in that instance because that is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I just think, like, yeah. in, in general, like, the. The, the circumstances of that quick of a shot, a defenseman down in your way, goalie not reacting, like, I don't really blame that one on him. Well, no, that that goal was Muzzin's fault. Yeah, but people are blaming on him because he didn't have a fast glove. I'm just like, obviously. Well, yeah, but that's typical Toronto. The goalie gets blamed for everything. Dating back to Peter Ng and Felix Poppin, <laughs> Chris Joseph, Ed Belford, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, like I feel like his 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 numbers are being a little talked about more because of the eight twenty six. But ignoring the fact everybody seems to be is that sorry I turned into Yoda there for a second. <laughs> everybody <laughs> everybody seems to be ignoring the fact that like Muzzin and Hall were playing like crap last night. Uh, apparently Riley, Sandine, Lilligren. I didn't notice them as much, but apparently other people who are more into the analytics and all that said that they they not little green because he didn't play but sandine riley giordano had bad showings not as bad as muslin hall but they still didn't play as well as they should have so obviously these numbers are going to be been inflated if five of your six defensemen don't show up yeah that's true um the other thing i, I think that is 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 funny is it's like one game today i turn on the radio in the morning Freaking seven fifty? No, I don't even know what time. Seven forty-five. It's like do or die game tonight for Toronto. Samsonov's chance to w- take over the net. Murray struggled. Uh, this that the other. Like, do you really want to happen? Have to happen the same thing that happened last year with Ottawa and Matt Murray? The fans ripped that guy to shreds. <laughs> I know, but it's like give the guy a break. It's been one game, and then people are like, "Oh, well they they lost to a team that's that's literally tanking to." get Connor Bernard. It's like, okay, that's a valid point. They played with what four unknown, well not really unknown. If you know hockey and you, you watch scouts or or do any scouting or drafts or anything, you'll know all these players. Like Joe Harris, Caden Gooley, you know what I mean? Like that what's his name? Um uh you know the guy Jack that worked guy? at Costco. Yeah, Jack. 
But it's like, I mean, that one was a little bit different. You should just know who he is from the preseason, not necessarily scouting or anything like that or or watching the draft. But it's like some of these names were like not necessarily household names, but Caden Gooley is if you watch the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. He's like the best defenseman in the the CHL. Well, not anymore, obviously, but it just like I forget where I was going with this. However, my point still stands that people are like panicking over one game because Toronto didn't beat the the team that's quote unquote tanking. Oh, I know where I'm. I'm gonna round this back. I think that it's easier to tank because if you win games, then it's quote unquote for fun. Like all Montreal said after the game was they came out and they wanted to have fun new season. So it's like, they got no pressure in the world. Toronto's got all the pressure. You don't think that after, pardon me? Sorry. No, continue. No, I was just going to say, like, you don't think that after Muslim passed up that puck and then won the back of the net that he was just like, oh, oh shoot, here comes all the media. Well, yeah. Here comes the pressure. Is Montreal Montreal actually tanking? Well, I mean, technically you can't. No, no, yeah, I know you're not allowed to actually tank, but like everybody says they're tanking there, and they're projected to be last. But if any indication from la- the last night's game is like they're not actually trying to lose; they're just a, not a good team right now. Exactly, and that's the point. Like, I'm trying if to they make were actually like, if they were actually tanking, then would they have cared enough to try to score two goals in the final five minutes to win the game? Exactly. Like we watched a team tank. We watched Toronto play when they were quote unquote tanking. Excuse me. They got Matthew, so the next year they said that they're going to play a lot of rookies, and we'll see how things go. And then when they started playing well, because it went from just quote-unquote having fun to, okay, now we're getting serious, like what happens if that happens to Montreal this year? Not saying it's going to. They probably won't make the playoffs, but what happens if they finish, like, I don't know, 18th in the league? Then all that talk about how they have no-name players and this, that, the other, it's like it's all for naught. I mean, in a sense, because, like, I think how people are – are basically Montreal is like they're going to win 20 games, which is funny because I said that to you last night. But it's like, in reality, if they win 30, 35, they're not going to finish last probably. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's still the chance with the NHL draft lottery being odds, but I just don't see Montreal winning the, or the odds twice. If they win the odds twice, people are going to say it's rigged. Just like they said the Rangers one was rigged. When an original sixteen got Lafreniere, and then an original sixteen yeah. got Slavkovsky, and then if they get Bernard, then it's like obviously they didn't want him playing in a in American market because they need to try and grow the game again in Canada or some stupid shit. Yeah, I think only Canadians would be saying that. I don't think Americans would ever care. Besides the fact that they, that American teams didn't get the first round pick, I don't think American fans, broadcast networks, whatever, would ever be saying we need to grow the game in Canada. Yeah, no, I'm not saying the Americans. I'm saying like Canada would be saying like like say fans in Edmonton or Calgary will be saying, well, Ontario and Quebec need to grow their game because they suck because for some reason Edmonton and Calgary are the two best American or Canadian teams. Well, yeah, but that's still a stupid point because it's not everybody can see it's not true. Yeah, no, no I know. I'm just saying like, this isn't even just like nitpicking, but like since Gary Bettman took over, the focus has been on America. Yeah, every well, time that's a evident Canadian... looking Arizona. Well, yeah, every time even there's a, a talk of bringing a Canadian team back in, it's just shot down right away. Meanwhile, teams like Arizona or other non-traditional hockey markets are getting teams. And then the teams like Ottawa, who are financially struggling, are just wait till they, they can't do it anymore and then we'll move them. 
And the funny thing about that whole situation with Arizona is, do you see who they're partnering with? No. Like Shaq's, it's called like Shaq's Big Chicken or something like that. I guess it's like barbecue chicken or something like that in the States. It's going there. They partnered with some like fashion designer to help them sell clothes and stuff. It's like the angels going on all stops. Trying to get some money to get out of that university arena. Exactly, but it's like, is Arizona and what's his name, Doug Armstrong or Bill Armstrong or something Armstrong doing that? Or is the NHL stepping in saying, don't worry, we'll help you because like you, you guys are literally claiming what? It's like someone who it's like someone on on income tax that claims like a thousand dollars a year, and they're just in a house with a whole bunch of people that are claiming a million. It's like, oh yeah, I'll help. I I think we're fine. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I think, and then they're like, well, why don't you go get some side jobs to make up some money and work cash? That's what Arizona is doing right now. They're just trying to piece together some kind of money, as you said, to try and get on the whatever it's called, ASU Stadium or Arena. That's not even gonna have their logo. That's embarrassing. <laughs> they should have just found a way. I know it's bad, but they should have just found a way and the nearest hockey rink to Arizona or just made Arizona play all the games on the road. Or just I know move technically Arizona. wouldn't be fair. But I know, but it's like, are they even going to fill 5,000 people? Probably not. Most people from Arizona, if you're coming from a Canadian team, are just Canadian people who go down to Arizona in the winter yeah. that go to hockey games. So it's like, when Austin Matthews goes there, it's going to be Which, all Toronto Maple Leaf fans and his family. I don't remember exactly because I think it was what ninety five when uh, Quebec and moved to Colorado ninety six. So I was somewhat kind of young, but wasn't the whole reason they moved is because they there was no fan interest and they they were worried that they wouldn't get the money because the the arena wasn't selling yeah. out yada yada yada. And then and, then, yeah, and, and, and revenue sharing and stuff, yeah. 20 years, just over 20 years later, Arizona's in the same boat and the Angels doing everything they can because they want to keep the team. So how, how come they, they didn't do that? Revenue sharing? Yeah, how come they didn't do yeah. that with Quebec or even Hartford? or Yeah, Winnipeg, like the original Winnipeg team. Yeah. I think that's funny about Arizona. It's like they're not in, from what I've understood, is like they're not in the 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 revenue sharing, but they're in the... Like the, I think they get money from the revenue sharing. They just don't put any money forward because they don't make any money. Hmm. Not surprised. So, like teams like Carolina also barely make any money, so they get a, a larger profit from revenue sharing from teams like Toronto Rangers, Boston, obviously. You're a, um, well, maybe not your first indication, but a big indication of the team not going to be as successful as Gary Batman wanted them to, and. Obviously, maybe Wayne Gretzky wasn't the best coach, but even with him as the coach, arguably, depending on who you ask, the greatest hockey player of all time, as the team's head coach, and still nobody cared. Yeah. Nobody cared to watch the games with Wayne Gretzky standing on the bench every single game. That you well, would have been let me team. ask you, when you think of Arizona, who do you think of? Like, when you think of the Coyotes, what both player comes to mind? Sports player or what? No, no. Hockey? Like, if you think of like the hockey team and their history, yeah, what Doan. hockey team? Yeah, and Shane Doan left their team this year. He didn't say any any particular reason, but from what I understand, from what Elliot Freeman said, is like something like he didn't like the direction of the team, but he wasn't going to slander their team or or comment or anything in any bad way. But it's like if he stepped away from the team, obviously no shit's going south. Yeah, more south than it already has been. Like, um, 
So we'll just bring this back to the least for a little bit. Uh, no lamp changes in the second game after, I mean, when Scott's here on the group chat with Kyle and I, um, it was very shocking. Well, not really overly shocking because we know what the Leafs are like, but I definitely thought there would have been some kind of switch up on the defense. Yeah, I think that was the only sh- Like, obviously, the forwards with uh, Jan Kroke and Aubrey Kubel and Zach Lesser recent, Dennis Mulgan being – well, I mean, Mulgan was technically with the team, just not on the roster. But they're being new into the lineup. Obviously, one game isn't enough to build chemistry or whatever, so you want to stick them yeah. with the lines. Even though Sheldon Keefe was shuffling a bit there against Montreal, but you want to stick with the lines for at least a couple games so that that chemistry can be built to see if the players actually work well together. But I think the only shock was that Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin, they played better tonight, not not the best, but better tonight. But still, you have two-plus years of, of experience of them being together and, and it not working. Uh, plus, the last game, I thought for sure there would have been a, a change of Sandine up, Hall down, or, or Brody with, uh, Sandine, Giordano with Hall, whatever the other lineup would have been. So I was a little shocked to see that Muzzin and Hall were staying together on the second period. You know, you know how many people I heard on podcasts today, like just game review podcasts, said that Mitch or um, Jake Muzzin looked slow. What? That's because he's what thirty four and had three exactly. straight years of of in massive injuries. So if you're looking at that situation and you're looking at Justin Hall, he struggles a little bit defensively, which is funny because he also struggles offensively. So you're looking at that situation and you think of Giordano. Maybe Giordano can work with him. Well, who's left? Sandine, who's quick as a bunny. Like Sandine can get up and down the ice. He's a good skater, potentially better than Morgan Riley. So why won't you put Morgan Riley with Jake Muzzin? So then Jake Muzzin could just worry about staying back and, like, I mean, not at the other team's blue line, obviously, but, like, he doesn't need to stress too much if he gets caught up because Sandine's there. But when he, excuse me, when he stresses about being caught up, guess who's with him? Jake, uh, Justin Hall, who's probably the slowest defenseman we have. Yeah. And he's, yeah, to not, me, I mean, he's injured, I guess, like, he's been injured, but he's healthy. Yeah. I think, to me, playing Sandine with Muzzin may not be the best but I feel like when Lilligren comes back, he's going to go back with Giordano because that worked out so well. But as of right now, with the six they have in the lineup, I think Sandine with Muzzin because uh, Muzzin doesn't have to worry about covering his other defense partner on defense in that instance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, me, maybe if Sandine gets caught pinching or whatever, yeah, but that happens yeah. all the time with a whole bunch of defensemen. But, but in that case, but, then, if Sandine gets caught pinching, Jake Muzzin can stay a little bit further back in the play rather than yeah. them both being but in the blue It just blue seems line. like right now... Justin Hall and him are, are struggling to to cover for each other in the defensive zone, and it, it's costing them making mistakes. And then if you move Hall down with Giordano, who's a better defensive defenseman and more solid in the defensive zone, then that it helps Justin Hall because even if he makes that mistake, he has. I feel like Giordano right now, for the least, is what everybody thought Jake Muzzin was going to be. Yeah, but Justin Hall also, like, although he's not the best skater, he's kind of slow. He also likes to sometimes venture out of the zone with the puck or join yeah. the rush or whatever. So if he's with Giordano, at least Giordano is, is sensible enough, it seems, like Jake Muzzin used to be, but also he's not. But Jake Muzzin or uh, Giordano would be sensitive enough to, sensible enough to kind of stay back and, you know what I mean, to read the play. 
But, yeah, like but, how many but times like, last year did we see Hall and Muzzin in the other team's blue line? Yeah, but just based on these two games this year, it seems like they're making mistakes in their own end, and the other oh, one true. isn't covering. Like there was the play there that cost them the game against Montreal where Muzzin just threw it up to the Montreal player instead of passing it off to one of the other five Leafs who were open on the ice. And Justin Hall just went down on one knee to try to block a shot that he was never going to block. Yeah, and, and tonight, there's that play tonight. Oh, sorry, continue. Tonight, I don't know if it's the same play you were just going to talk about, but there was a play in the corner where Justin Hall kind of shuffled it through his legs and then lost control, and and Muzzin wasn't there to cover for him, and Washington got possession of the puck back. So it just seems like last year, while there was still defensive blunders in their own zone, it was more they both tried to pinch at the same time, or they both got caught pinching, or yeah. they were randomly in the other behind the other team's goalie for no reason. Which it's funny because TSN, the guys on the panel, were kind of poking fun at Justin Hall for doing that in today's game, um, and then they had to try to get back, and the forwards had to try to cover for them. But these last two games are just years, like, though. Like we've been noticing that for three years. Oh that yeah, Justin Hall does that kind of stuff, and now people yeah. just notice him because he's not so much anymore the shutdown parent that Toronto relies on. Yeah. But once he becomes, once that line has, or that defensive pairing has a couple games that is solid, but relatively solid, everyone will forget it. And they'll be like, oh, don't get rid of Justin Hall. His analytical stats are so good. It's like negative. He's like a, he's like a minus 20, but yeah, he's so good. But like, if you were Sheldon Keefe and you had Jake Muzzin, who's 34 and injury prone, um, and kind of in and out in the lineup, it seemed. It seems like he's going to be. And you had Rasmus Sandin, who's, what, 24? Yeah, some of that, 23. Not that he battled for a, a, a spot in the preseason, but in his first game, he made himself known that goal. Who would you want to play on the left side? Because I think you got to cater to Sandin. Yeah, I'd, I'd play Sandin, too. Let Jake Muzzin play on the right side with that in that pairing. Instead of playing Sandin even on the right side with Giordano, it's like, I don't. I don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I mean, why would you have to? Why like you have to what? Well, if Sandy's playing right side right now, then just keep us on the left side, and then Giordano Lilligren. Yeah, but I'm saying him. for for Sandy's career and his development, if he's more comfortable on the left side, why would you switch him? So then he has to readjust. Like to me, it just oh, seems like okay. you should be catering to Sandine and giving him what he feels comfortable. If he feels comfortable on the left side, then put Jake Muzzin, who's what, 12 years experience on the right, which he, I think he also played on a line with Drew Doughty. And if I'm not wrong, I could be wrong about this. I think Drew Doughty's a left-hand shot. Because remember when he first came here, he was going to play the right side. And then Mike Babcock, after like one game, was like, uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, So the goal scorers in the next game, this game tonight, uh, October 12th against Washington, was Tavares with a nice... Uh, uh, feed from Morgan Riley on the power play. Yarn croak. I don't even. I didn't. Even, I don't even think I saw his goal. That was the um, three on two. Kerfoot cross ice, and Yarn croak tipped it in, deflected it in from the the just outside the crease. Like the, yeah, the okay, I, did. I didn't see that one at all. And then there's Matthews, which I believe was the Giordano shot, right? Yeah, he, he stumbled he, over he tipped Lindgren. It. So Matthews is on the board with one, 59 away from uh, his goal total that everyone thinks that he can't get to anymore. Oh, just before we kind of progress into the wrap-up here, I just want to throw something out here because it's re- two things. It's re- These things are really pissing me off, and I've heard them a lot. 
one. Jake, sorry, Jack Campbell. He went from a B goalie on the Leafs to potentially a starter with a Vesna potential. And then after 20 games, went to like the worst goalie that was in the league. Literally, Matt, in the last like 30 or 40 games, Matt Murray had better stats than, than Jack Campbell. But, anyways, um, now somehow Edmonton is the Stanley Cup favorite. And, and Scott showed me that some people on the panels at, on TSN Sports are saying Jack Campbell is going to win the Vezina. He's in a, he's in an elite class with no one by himself, actually, uh, because the goalies that I put ahead of him are Thatcher Demko, Shesterkin and Vasilevsky, who I swear to you, Vasilevsky is going to be top three best goalie of all time by the end of his career, if not the best goalie of all time. So I, I don't see Jack Campbell just yeah. scooping in there with Edmonton's shitty defense. And the other thing is Edmonton literally has all the people Trump didn't want or couldn't afford. Zach Hyman couldn't afford him. Jack Campbell, apparently Toronto didn't even, it wasn't even that they didn't want him or that they couldn't afford him. It's that apparently there was like some kind of issue that he's like telling his agent led slip to, I guess, Elliot Freeman or, or whomever that Elliot Freeman heard to or from that. Apparently he's like mad Toronto. Like he's got a, a kind of like a, a, a hate for Toronto or a grudge against Toronto. So fuck you. Part of my language. Um, and then, yeah, Cody Ceci, who was a plug, he was worse, worse than Justin Hall. And then uh, who? Tyson Berry, who Tyson was Barry. potentially also – well, I mean, he wasn't that overall bad in point production, but his defensive skills, I would rather have Justin Hall defensively on my team. Offensively, obviously not. But Tyson Berry, Tyson Berry got caught in that hype train. Where he yeah, like a, Larry Murphy. Well, I guess similar that the fans ran kind of ran him out of town, but not similar in that. They were hyped for different. Like Larry Murphy was a good defenseman, but Tyson Berry, like he was a top guy in Colorado. Then when once it was announced that Toronto was getting him, it was he was going to get a hundred points. He was going to win the Norris Trophy, yada yada yada. And then when it didn't happen, fans got mad. When he wasn't putting up on a hundred point pace, fans were ripping on him, making fun of him, whatever on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media, whatever. Uh, Larry Murphy was just kind of. I actually don't know why fans hated him. I mean, that was kind of like before I really paid attention to hockey, but it was more like, I guess, the fan. I don't know why the fans ran him out of town, but I, I think it was a different situation than, than the Tyson Berry because Tyson Berry was was projected or hyped as that 100-point defenseman. Yeah, power play specialist, yeah. The, the take over the number one spot for Morgan Riley, and then when that didn't happen, the fans kind of typical yeah. Toronto fashion hopped on social media and typed a message that wouldn't they would never say to any of the players' faces. Yeah. And this brings me to my second point. So one, my first more of my first story is or my first point is Jack Campbell is not it's 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 not what it seems to have Jack Campbell as a goalie. He he let in two goals on three shots last night. Yes, they got the win, but McDavid also had uh three goals and four points, I think, in the last period. Going into the third period they are losing two nothing. So I think that we should halt the breaks on Vesna caliber Jack Campbell because the start of the game he literally led in the first shot he faced in Edmonton Oilers jersey. Did Matt Murray do that? Mm, let me check. Uh, no. Um, and then the uh, second jokes on you. Matt Murray never played for Edmonton. Ah, buddy's catching me lacking. Anyways, um, hey Scott, I wish we had like a soundboard or something yeah. because then I could be like. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> um, 
I'll just make the noise. Anyways, and then the second point, it kind of correlates with the Tyson Berry thing. But I personally think that the worst trade in the last 20 years for the Toronto Maple Leafs has to be Brian Burke trading Tyler Biggs for, or for Tyler Biggs, like that draft pick. When he could have picked anyone else, but he traded up to get Tyler Biggs. And then Tyler Biggs mm-hmm. never played a game in the NHL. I mean, the Tuco Rask one was pretty bad. Okay, valid. But I mean, okay, I'm going by, let's just say, let's just say 2010 on. I don't think that the worst trade that happened in 2010 to 2022 was the Nazem Kadri for Kerfoot and Tyson Berry. I really don't think that was it. There was numerous underlying issues as to why they got Nazem Kadri or rid of Nazem Kadri. We, me and Scott liked Nazem Kadri. As far as I know, Scott did. I did. I'm pretty sure yeah. most people on a on a nightly basis liked them until he got suspended in the playoffs two years in a row and then basically had a huge sore spot in the lineup that they couldn't fill. Thomas Buchanan tried, but let's be real. Then they trade him, which everyone was like, oh, F this guy. This guy sucks. A whole bunch of racist shit because that's always what people go to. And then when he won a Stanley Cup and had a decent season and came back from a broken thumb, they're like, oh, my gosh. So now people are saying that's the worst trade that's ever happened in the history of the NHL. You know what actually might be one of the worst trades I've ever seen in my life? Ottawa Senators traded Mika Sabinajad in like a seventh overall or seventh round pick for Derek Broussard in like a fifth. Derek Broussard just signed a PTO which with or just signed a contract off a of PTO with Ottawa. And Mika Sabanajad's probably, I'd say pound for pound, the best player on the Rangers. Yeah. Scoring like nearly a hundred points, eighty to hundred points a year. So lest we forget about that damn trade, because I'm tired of hearing this fucking Nazem Kadri talk. He signs with he signs with Calgary. Oh my gosh, Toronto miss him. And all of a sudden now that people are saying that Toronto needs a guy like Matthew Kachuk. Like it went from a Nazem Kadri who can score and chirp because Nazem Kadri is not tough. He's like Michael Bunting. To all of a sudden, we need a a similar player to Michael Bunting. If Michael Bunting just put up eighty points consistently and had maybe a little bit meaner side where he'd fight a little bit, that would be Matthew Kachuk. Like it's sad when Matthew Kachuk is known as a tough guy in the league when there's still people like Ryan Reeves who would smash him in a second. Yeah, and I think honestly the the toughest point producer in the league is Tom Wilson in my opinion Tom Wilson puts up like what 80 points and still like goes literally punch for punch okay 60 points and goes punch for punch with Ryan Reeves I didn't see Uh, Matthew Kachuk turtled when a puck flew at him when Jake Muslin flipped the puck at him Yeah. so I don't know I just think it's getting annoying I don't think there'll ever be a time that a, a large, or maybe not a large, because eventually those um, people won't be Leafs fans anymore. But uh, as of right now, a large portion of of the fan base won't clamor or, or holler or, or demand that there be any one uh, physical player on the team. There'll always be a, a time where that, for some reason, I can't really figure out why. Uh, because we had that with Wayne Simmons, and besides the first, what, 10 to 15 games of his time in Toronto, he played well. Other than that, he didn't really do much. Yeah, including besides penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Clifford's another example. He didn't really do anything uh, in the games he played for Toronto. So I don't I don't really understand the we need a guy who will go out there and, and punch everybody in the face 
for no reason because they may have looked at our players the wrong way when the NHL is not only moving away from that, but that's never really been the key point of a hockey game. I'd rather have <laughs> I'd rather have twelve guys who can score goals and then three guys no twelve yeah, twelve guys who can score goals than four guys who can score goals and, and eight guys who will go out there and punch you in the face. Not that, saying that Toronto has that, obviously, because they don't, but that that just yeah, you know my point. We get your point, and that and that is how I feel as well. It's like a guy like Zach Ashton Reese, he only fought once last year and it was defending his teammate. So he's not gonna drop the gloves a lot. Jake Muzzin has the most fights on the team right now, like I guess in his career or whatever. But why would you dress a guy who plays less than five minutes a game on the potential that he could go out there and fight? When you have a last line that can go out there and play 12 minutes a game and just check anything that moves, which will get the crowd hyped. Because you know what Wayne Simmons does to go get the crowd hyped when he doesn't fight? He takes a long run at someone, body checks the guy, and then either skates back to the bench or gets lost in transition because he's a little bit too slow. And I like Wayne Simmons. I I don't mind him. He seems like an outstanding guy. He seems like all all his career is a great hockey player, like uh, a pro's pro. But it's just like at this point in his career, he's what, 36? I understand he wants to play in the NHL. Some team will take him, yada, yada, yada. However, Toronto does not need him. We've tried the great thing. And whoever that caller was, I know you'll never listen to this because you listen to more, more notable people, but whoever that caller was that called into TSN Wake Up Woodbridge this morning and said, since Kyle Dubas got here, we've all the fans have been clamoring for grit, 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 grit. And every year he says he's going to get grit and he doesn't. Last year, we literally had Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons on a line with Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza is not gritty. In the playoffs. Yeah. And what did they but- do? Cost us with uh, with stupid penalties that they shouldn't have taken. Kyle Clifford didn't even get a chance to play because he got suspended after two seconds because he thought that it, a, a check from relatively behind was the smart thing to do. And also, the other thing is, people are saying Wayne Simmons needs to be on the team in case Toronto Susan needs him. Hockey's not baseball. They can send... Nick Robertson up and down as many times as I need. So say November 1st, Nick Robertson's on the team. November 15th, they need someone because they're playing Winnipeg and they don't want to get tossed around. And Wayne Simmons is gone. They can just call up Kyle Clifford and send down Nick Robertson. It's not that challenging. It's not baseball where you only have three call-ups and then you have to place a guy on whatever, designated for assignment. Like people seem to forget that even analysts, even podcasters, even like the top of the top reporters, they seem to forget that if Wayne Simmons is gone, oh my gosh, Sean doesn't have anyone else. No, because if they get pushed around in a game against Winnipeg and then two weeks later they play Winnipeg, guess who's coming out? Remember two years ago, three years ago when they did that with Scott Sabrin after they got pushed around by Calgary and Scott Sabrin literally got signed, played one game and then left. And he only he only had like five minutes vice time or less, and he he basically just fought Milan Lucic. That was it. It's just enough's enough. Like the game is not like we don't need Milan Lucic, Ryan Reeves, Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford, and freaking I don't even know who else is tough. That's like that, like a goonish style. Uh, Nick Delore, and also none of these players are goons. Maybe Ryan Reeves, maybe Nick Delore. Milan Lucic was a power forward. Now he's just a goon because he's too slow and not skilled enough to play in the NHL or regularly. I don't even know who else I mentioned. 
However, well, Wayne Simmons, power forward, one of the best power forwards in his time, actually, like in the midst of his career on on uh, uh, Philly. And Kyle Clifford was what, like a penalty killer on L.A.? Uh, I like, think he was a power forward. No, I said penalty killer. Yeah, and I said I think he was a power forward. Oh, I thought you said I don't think he was a power forward. So, like, maybe you could throw Nick Ritchie in there, too, because his premise on Calgary is literally just a fight. But yeah, I feel like the everybody in, in, in maybe not everybody, but a lot of people in today's the the uh, the old hockey fans who grew up where there'd be five fights a period and brawls and all that, who are clamoring for all that, seem to forget that there's more when they like that's not grit like you you can have a gritty team that doesn't fight you can have guys who just throw body checks that's still grit you don't need and, and especially in the case of Wayne Simmons where you put him on the ice and there's like six guys in the league who who actually fight him so if he's only on the team to fight and he's only going to fight six guys in the league and three of those guys Toronto plays once a year What's the point of him being in the lineup? You, like yep. you said, you could just throw in a Zach Austin Reeser and Abe Kubel who throw just as many hits. And then you don't have to worry about him just filling up a roster spot for the three fights a year that he gets into. Yeah, well, I guess that's what happens when you, um, when basically the common denominator of fans and the least. Uh, fans of the least think that, and then they just basically put on Twitter, harass whomever they can to harass or who has pull in the organization, and then bam, that's what we get. Because last year it didn't work. Last year was kind of pathetic. Literally, the last time that they dressed that tough guy lineup before the playoffs was against Winnipeg. Remember that game? Yeah. Remember that? And then Wayne Simmons got tossed out for literally nothing against Adam Lowry. And then Kyle Clifford fought like Dylan DeMello and they threw like two punches against each other. Yeah. You know, guys like Dylan DeMello aren't even that. I mean, Dylan DeMello, granted, is probably tougher than I am. However, like, I'm not saying he's not tough, but like, in comparison to Wendell Clark or Ty Domi, no. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> I would say there's only two people in the league that could compete at the level that. Of fighting that people want them to compete, and that's Ryan Reeves and Nick Deloria. Other than that, everyone else is just like, could you imagine? Could you imagine someone fighting like Tony Twist or whatever that guy's name is, Chase from St. Louis that used to play? I forget his name. Who's Tony Twist? I think he played for St. Louis. It might be that's who might who I be who I'm thinking of. That might be who I'm thinking of. I think his name's Tony Twist. Um. Huh? Like, were you just naming tough guys? Because you could have went with like Donald Brashear. Yeah, I know. I, I I was just I was just thinking about because I, you know obviously that I listened to the Cam Shirk podcast and uh, um, Cam Jansen said that Tony Twist and um, whatever the other guys Chase whatever his last name is is are literally like two of the toughest guys he's ever ever seen. Oh. I've never heard of those guys. I've never heard of Tony Twist. Okay, well, yeah, then like, yeah, Donald Brashear, uh, George per- uh, George the Rock, insert whomever is a tough guy posts. Two thousand what eight ten? 
Yeah. I guess not Come really, because Cold Noir was still in the NHL in 2015. Yeah, but that was that was in the era of when there wasn't really fighting. Yeah, that's true. Like him and Fraser McLaren were still around. There was other fighters in the league, but like their the ends of their careers is the time where fighters weren't really necessary because it was being not necessarily not completely removed from the game, but kind of slowly phased out. That's true. So, as moral of that is basically shut up with the Toronto needs so much grit and toughness and and and, and enforcers and blah 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 because it's getting old. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyways, uh, lastly, quick on that game tonight, Sam Selenoff had, tw- or yeah, I guess tonight you'll probably be listening to this Friday or Saturday, so still technically is Thursday night, but uh, Sam Selenoff had, excuse me, 24 for 26 with a 923 save percentage, which is what we uh, need because Jack Campbell on average had like a 910 last year, so this is good on Sam Selenoff. Um Yeah, and anything else you want to add? Um. I mean, overall, I think the team, besides the defense, Justin All, Jake Muzzin, and then the couple moments in the other Montreal game there, I think the team is playing pretty much as expected. I haven't really been that impressed with Engvall. I noticed him kind of floating around a couple times today, and people are going to say uh, Nylander does it, but yeah, that's Nylander's game. Engvall isn't necessarily the guy who goes into a corner for the puck and then just kind of turns around and skates away without getting the puck or even trying to dig in the corner for it, which I noticed he did a couple times in tonight's game. So I don't know what his issue is there, but, I mean, he better step up his game because he literally has taken a spot of someone who could have wanted to be in the NHL, like a Nick Robertson or a Wayne Simmons or a Kyle Clifford. So if he doesn't kind of – and I just gave him that new contract. So I forgot he was on the I, team. I haven't really been impressed with him. Like obviously that line scored tonight, the Kerfoot yarn croak, but Engvall I don't think was involved in the play at all. And the only times I noticed him on the ice is those couple times where he kind of just was skating around, not even looking like he was trying. So other than that, yeah, I think the team is Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares are all looking pretty good. Um, yeah, Tavares Marner's is looking good. good. For a guy yeah. who missed the whole preseason, that's in, impressive to me. Well, not the yeah. whole preseason, but a good portion of it. Um, that 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 last line is, I mean, camp isn't really necessarily physical, but I noticed Abe Kubel and Austin Reese are kind of getting in on four checks, throwing their body around a bit. Matthews with a big hit tonight too, so it's not just those guys that are throwing their body around. Jake Muzzin as well. They're on um, Garner Hathaway at the bench. Oh, but, yeah. Other than that, I think the team is kind of performing, obviously barring the defensive issues there that hopefully will be adjusted. The team is performing as expected. Even the goalies, I don't think every preseason kind of, I think, had that hype factor around it. But I think they're performing as expected when Toronto signed them, not because of the preseason Um effect of because they played well in the preseason so I think everybody just kind of hoped they would continue to play like that but obviously yeah. I don't think that that's not necessarily going to happen but yeah I think as expected as of right now hopefully things can get a little better in the areas they need to work on uh, the other name that I'd watch out for in a potential trade uh, in my opinion is Peering Ball 2.25 million dollars or whatever he's making he could clear a lot of uh, cap struggle for Toronto and give Nick Robertson slash Dennis Mongan a chance to crack the lineup. 
I um, feel like if, if Morgan keeps playing the way he has, I mean, tonight he wasn't really as noticeable than the Montreal game where he scored, but if he can keep up with Nylander, Tavares, and, and put up some more points, I think he'll, I think he's a lock for the team for most of the season. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't mind him actually. Him at any point. Well, yeah, they, they sh- if they're going to, they should send him down and give him a couple of weeks and then send him down. Because if, if he has like 17 points by, let's say, middle of November or 20 points, he's going to get claimed. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, like, if, if he has 17 points by the middle of November, that I don't feel like they're going to send him down because, yeah, me either. But I'm saying, like, if they're going to send him down, they, they have to do it within, yeah, yeah, like that two week span of the season but because he's just going to get claimed. If he keeps playing above, expectation and can uh, can produce on that line. I, I feel like he's a lock for the team for the rest of the year. I do agree. Yeah, other than that, I think the only one I haven't really been in, on the forwards anyway, haven't really been impressed with at any point in either of the games is Engvall. And tonight he really stuck out as a as a negative because I the only times I noticed him was that those moments where he was floating around doing nothing. Yeah, I uh, I actually forgot he was on the team. I I didn't hear his name once. Yeah, like I, uh, and these are the games I I forgot he was in there. Which I mean, I think I noticed not that he floated around a lot, but there was moments last year where he kind of went in stretches of games where he wasn't really noticeable. Mm-hmm. And then there was moments where he was incredibly noticeable, but they were. Like spread in between those five, six, seven games of of where he just did nothing. Well, their expectation is uh, McKeev, so hopefully he can uh, turn around. My personal opinion is McKeev was in the same boat. There were stretches where he went three, four games where he couldn't even hit the net, and then there were stretches of three, four games where he put in two, three goals. And everybody hyped him up, and then he went back to five, six games in a row where every time he shot, he would not hit the net or mm-hmm. shoot it right at the goalie. So I know, obviously, he'll turn things around, and he also missed most of the preseason, I think. I think he played, what, two games? So yeah, some of those. Trying to work things out because he didn't have those preseason games, but, yeah. All righty, well, is that a wrap? All righty, well, make sure to subscribe. Oh, sorry, I just punched a microphone. That probably hurts you guys' ears. Um, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you um, view our website because there is some uh, more content coming out there in the next couple of weeks. And we did get like 1,500 or almost 50, around 1,500 views on the three articles that we put out. Uh, make sure you share the podcast with your friends, share it on social media, get people involved, comment, DM us, subscribe to our stuff. Uh, we want to hear from you. We've yet to hear from anyone, so message us. Actually, that's a lie. There's one guy on the YouTube channel, on our YouTube channel that commented. But uh, besides that, try to reach out to us and see what we could do and what we what we shouldn't do. All right, so have a good night. Uh, we got a couple games next week for the Leafs, so we'll include one on Saturday against Ottawa. So we'll be back with you at some point next week. It might be a little tough, tight, but we'll we'll fit it in. Either way, we'll be back with you. So have a good night and have a good week. Thanks.